0: Hello and welcome to Grow A Soul. I'm Kate Ferris, a coach, writer, hiker and recovering high achiever and this is a Work In Life podcast. Join me for discussions and musings about how our work can be a small and magical part of a bigger, more meaningful life. So come on in, get comfy and let's begin. Hello, I am back with a guest co-host this week and sharing the first chat with Kate. We had a big old catch-up about what we're even doing with work at the moment and something that seemed to be a big topic for us was experiencing a huge disappointment in work and how that affects well, everything. Kate is always so open and honest and today is no different. So you may like to listen to my first episode with Kate back in episode 89, as that does serve as a little bit of a before to today's after. But let's dive in.
1: Hello. (laughs) Hello. Oh my gosh. (laughs) back on the show <laughs> I know I'm like I- I'm like how many times have I been on now I'm not even sure just,
0: just like this is the second is it yeah. yeah but we've had we've before? had a conversate other conversations that were I guess
1: that's true. recorded <laughs> I guess that's true <laughs> oh my gosh yeah yeah oh my gosh no it's so nice like thank you so much for inviting me to do this
0: no I'm I'm really excited and I think because it's a very different form of like work about, and also that like you literally wrote a book about opting out so like that <laughs> kind of fits the brief <laughs>
1: um, and... That's amazing. <laughs> like, oh, you want to talk about doing things differently? Cool, I can do that.
0: <laughs> I know someone who who has has some thoughts. But also that it's not just oh, this is my business and I'm trying to get work my like it's a very different kind of structure of work for you and what would be interesting is that we've spoken before about what your work looked like in September last year oh my god like Mm. a year ago that's insane I can't believe that's in a year uh anyway (laughs) time exists and I know since then like things have there's been different things going on and I think at the time that we recorded you're like "Mm, I don't know what my income's gonna look like because I'm not writing a book right now. So yeah, maybe update us on what what is work right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a part of me, just because I've gotten pretty good at joking about it, that I, I want to be like, well, I don't do anything. <laughs> but that's not true. <laughs> um, I will say, yeah, like when we talked last, my second book had just come out. So Opting Out had just mm-hmm. come out. And, you know, I was really excited about that launch and then and, oh, yeah and said sort of like prepared my calendar in a way that I, I actually didn't know I was gonna have to with my first book which is like with the year of less I basically did non-stop interviews for like four months oh
0: god and yeah it was, <laughs> I was exhausting, like, oh, god. I
1: <laughs> but I I sort of thought you know it that could happen again and so I'd kind of just wiped my calendar clear for basically the rest of 2020. Mm-hmm. And like just thinking that might happen. Not that it would, but that it might. And then it just didn't at all. I think <laughs> And what do you think that was? I mean, I think that anyone who published a book during the pandemic, meaning still now, like still, you know, we're still in it and publishing is still really different because of the pandemic. You know, unless you're a huge name, like unless you're like Glennon Doyle, you know what I mean? Like nobody cared. Like the media just didn't pay attention. And there's a few reasons for it. I mean, one is that because of the pandemic, like media teams got slashed, right? Like Mm. news teams got slashed. Think of how many publications folded during the pandemic, how many people stopped doing their podcasts, even just like you know, in media teams being slashed, their budgets were slashed too. So maybe you know they would have hired freelancers to do book reviews or or just write more about kind of arts arts and culture. And they didn't have the money to pay for freelancers anymore. So the feedback I got from sort of PR people on all sides, because I had people like in Canada, in the U.S., and in the U.K. on all sides, was just really that yeah, like, there's just not enough people sort of to cover this right now. The second piece of that is that, or like, why things didn't, you know, go as well is that my book um, in North America came out in September of 2020. And then it came out in October in the UK. And in September 2020, more books came out than any other month in history. No way. Yes. And so and largely because there were so many books that were supposed to come out in the spring and summer, but then they were pushed because of the pandemic. But then there were all these books that were planned for the fall, which mine was planned for the fall. And yeah, and so like, like, publishers sort of took a gamble on like, you know, is it (laughs) going to be better in September? And And it just turned out like so many books came out that, you know, not only am I telling you that there were fewer people to sort of even cover books or, or talk to authors, but then there were just way too many books. So they probably got nonstop pitches all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was just really like, I didn't have huge expectations, but I would say that they were higher than what ultimately happened. And that was really hard. And, I, you know, I don't even think it would have gotten better if we'd pushed it. I know people who actually were supposed to publish books on the exact same day as mine. They pushed it to January or February, and it was still the same thing. Like, maybe it got one or two more reviews, but ultimately, they all the books just kind of died. <laughs> like, <in> the <laughs> they just kind of like had a, had a little bit of interest and then just kind of disappeared. And... I think that like what happened for me with that, it was hard to say it at first, but as like a few months went on and just with the help of a couple of friends, I got more comfortable with the idea of just acknowledging like, yeah, I'm disappointed. Like this sucks. Actually, this sucks. And not feeling like too down about it, but I think I can look back now and say it absolutely deflated my confidence for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Like I think that I really went through something probably yeah, like December, January, February this year, like, you know, coming into 2021 of just feeling like, not only do I not know what I'm going to do, but that was so disappointing. Like it's so hard to put so much time and energy into something and money, to be honest, like I spent more money on that book than I had uh, for the year of less. And you put so much into something and then for it to just kind of disappear, you're like, like what am I gonna do now? Or like, mm. but I think the first piece of it was letting myself feel disappointed. Why do and, you think you
0: resisted and, feeling disappointed?
1: I mean, I think that part of it is I'm ve- I'm someone who's very quick to see perspective. So even just now, how I've listed all the things, like the, Well, this is why, or these are many of the reasons why this has, this has happened. I think actually, to my detriment, sometimes I'm I like look for the silver lining and just try to move on. And that's like, it's good that you can do that. I'm so grateful that I can have perspective or see things from multiple ways. I'm so glad that I have that skill. But actually, like, you have to let yourself feel your feelings. Like, it's okay. I I mean, the other part of it, too, is probably, you know, the story that just like, we should be grateful, like, we should be grateful for whatever we get. And so then, like, I find it hard to let myself feel disappointed or sad or angry or, there are just emotions that are hard to let yourself feel when you're like, well, I know I should be grateful or I should be happy or I should whatever. Mm. And you're like, but actually it's okay to feel the other things too. I think like it's this is all very new for me of sort of letting myself feel feelings like that mm. and just mm. acknowledging they exist in the first place. Just say, yeah, this sucks. and And I'm allowed to say it, it sucks. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I really like empathize with you on the kind of, going straight to the perspective and straight to the silver lining because that's something that I've realized in the last year is that on it's a very much a double edged sword that on the one hand it's really it makes it makes my life happier that I am able to be like okay well let's make the best of this but also it means I accept things that other people wouldn't accept or that I I don't want to accept but because like whether that's the way I'm being treated or like something that's happened like whatever it's like well I go so quickly to making the best of it that I don't even question, like, actually, this is wrong
1: or not what I wanted at all. Yeah. Is there, like, a work example that comes up for you?
0: Um, There's not a work example, but I would say that certainly, like, with my previous relationship, that was what would have happened, just in fact, various ways of just, like, oh, this isn't ideal, but how can I make it good or livable or whatever? And that, like, oh. it goes straight straight there without actually taking that minute to be like oh maybe maybe I shouldn't make this <laughs> right and yeah that whole well I just need to be happy so I'll just be happy with this
1: yeah yeah it's it's really like a form of I don't know bypassing also just bypassing your emotions so yeah I, I mean like on the work front I just think that it, I don't know even looking back on it, it's like I I don't love that that is how I was feeling for a few months. And and because I think I just got kind of stuck in it. Like it was just really, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And I think also, you know, if you have a book that doesn't do as well as you'd hoped, um, you know, as well as your publisher had hoped, and also like, you know, so many people sort of saying, this is like the perfect timing for this book, actually. Mm. And so it should do really well. So you're like, okay and it didn't
0: <laughs> yeah and then you also feel like well i've missed it now i've missed the moment in time
1: <laughs> well also actually because pr people tell you that it's like there's a very short window of when you can promote your book or when the media will promote your book and it is like 3 to 4 months around your release date and then it's mm-hmm. over it's like then you're old news and even though like it's not true like lots of people will have you on years later after you publish something but yeah the PR people sort of stop pushing and stop trying and yeah so I think like where that ultimately led me to or the kind of it's not like dark but like the deepest place of it I guess was being like I guess just feeling like no publisher's ever going to want to work with me again was where I got to and I mean, of course, that's actually not true. It did take, I would say, multiple conversations with my agent. And she just said, you need to remember, like, like maybe if this had been your first book, it would have been a harder sell or, you know, it'd be harder to get a next one, like a next book deal. She's like, but you also like your first book did so well and you're always going to have that in your back pocket. So actually, The Year of Less, which is sometimes the book that I don't like being known for. <laughs> The reality is that it, yeah, it has done well and has done well in multiple countries around the world. And so it's like, I do have that in my back pocket. And so actually I, I don't need to sort of fear that I'm never going to get published again. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. I think I was like licking my wounds for a mm-hmm. few months there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, then I'm what right? did
0: that sort of progress into from... I don't want to say emerging out of licking your wounds because that might be an ongoing process. I mean, what is life if not coming to terms with emotions? Yeah, so, but coming out of that sort of winter of like this sucks, then what?
1: Yeah, I think then I got to this place of feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that I would just want to repeat like the process of doing another nonfiction book and this is something that honestly is like i can look back at like all of my career as and say that you know once i like get good at something meaning like i've done the process multiple times i know how it all works i i get bored kind of like i i, I value growth and that doesn't mean numbers and money like it it means like learning and growing like learning new skills, evolving, changing, that is actually a pretty high value of mine. And, and I can look back and see how many times that's been true. And so, like at a job, you know, at like a traditional job, if I'm there for three to five years, I am so bored by the end of it. Because if there hasn't been an opportunity to move up and do different things, not even move up, just do different things, then then I get really bored and restless. And so that was the first thing I started noticing was the idea of doing another nonfiction book, at least in the same way, doesn't interest me. And so then I just started thinking like, well, what else could I do in the, like under the umbrella of writing and started noticing, I'd say like, I guess I started noticing more like what I'm drawn to as a consumer myself and knowing that like, I don't want to write books that I don't even read. And so the reality is I really don't read that much nonfiction anymore, right? Like occasionally, yes, but not that much. And so I'm like, so if I'm not even reading it, I don't want to stay in that space. So, okay, what does that mean? Like, what am I reading? And then noticed I basically read, or at least the first half of this year, I largely read books that were for children and then just started asking questions of myself. Like, could I do that? Like, could I write a book for kids? It would be really different. And like the whole process would be different, not just the writing aspect of it, but um, even later, like the selling of it and the marketing of it would be really different than sort of like a self-help nonfiction book would be. And that's really interesting. And so I sort of started following my interests all, like I'd say for all of this year, that has included everything from on the kids' book side of things, like reading tons of books, taking tons of notes, I've done like a few different masterclasses on that website, just master class, like gone through videos, watching authors of children's books, like all the things that they have to say about the process. So like that has been a thing. There has then been a really interesting, oppor- an unexpected opportunity that my agent actually connected me with a screenwriting agent who I had a great conversation with, and he uh, basically just said, like, if screenwriting feels like something you'd like to get into, I would read anything that you wrote. And I feel like getting words like that from an agent is actually one of the hardest parts, is like having someone say that they would read what you write. So, uh, then he said, you know, why don't you send me, I guess I'll share this because it's just kind of an interesting fun fact, like sort of your resume or like CV into the screenwriting world is to write an original TV pilot. And it doesn't mean anyone ever has to do anything with it. (laughs) It's just to prove that you can write an original show, like that you're coming up with all the characters, all of the dialogue, the scenes, everything. And He just said, you know, send me a list of shows that you like and I'll see if I can get the pilots for you. So I sent him a list and his assistant got all of them to me within like 12 hours. So then I spent a part of the summer like reading TV scripts and like taking notes on possible characters. So like that was a thing. And then a third thing of following interest is I got connected with someone who was looking for a ghostwriter for her book. Ultimately, that's not a project I'll... I'll probably take on but like I think I was just following all these things and started coming up with this idea in my head of not so much worrying about like what am I going to do in this moment but I started thinking like a big picture or in a big picture way for the very first time and was like you know, I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do month to month or year to year or project to project, whatever. Like, I don't know exactly. But what I do like the idea of is being an old lady one day, like I'm thinking 85 year old Kate, and looking back on my life and saying, I got to write a little bit of everything. And so not that I will be some expert on like one topic or one format, but I'm like, it would be so cool to say you got to write everything from like picture books to middle grade or young adult to fiction for adults. Of course, I've done nonfiction, maybe screenwriting, maybe ghostwriting one day. I don't know. But I'm like, I now like this is the first time in my life where I've ever sort of let myself have a vision like that for myself and being like, I don't know all the things that are going to happen in between. Maybe there will be times when I have to like get a full time job or or part time job or something to like supplement my income. But like that is an overarching sort of now vision I have of like what I want for my life. Mm. And I've just never let myself do that before.
0: Mm. And I, I think that it's something that I've had conversations with people about is that particularly post pandemic is that we got so used to like you could not plan ahead. You couldn't plan further than next week. In a lot of ways, you still can't. And so we really lost that long-term visioning because like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) and we got so used to just living day by day, day, week by week, but actually to start zooming out, like there's a practice that we're not in, and and I I am more of a long-termist thinker in general anyway, but so I'm interested into why you weren't before.
1: Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. Um, Not honestly,
0: not that you're like, I'm definitely not thinking long term, but like why you think that kind of set of Mm. circumstances came to be?
1: I mean, I think that honestly, it'll speak to the opting out stuff. I think that when I was younger, sort of, you know, early 20s, even going still into my late 20s, I still just had that picture in my head of like the things you're supposed to do. So I would say that I sort of had a long term thought, but it was it was just the... The vision that we've been painted. So just this idea of like, I'll probably because both my parents, I will say always worked in the government. And I used to work for the government. So it's like, okay, I'll, you know, stay with a company for a long time. I'll retire with a pension one day, I'll probably get married and have kids, probably buy a house. Like, yeah. <laughs> right? but I'm like, so I think that I, I would have told you I had plans back then but like none of them actually felt right for me. Mm. And so I think that, They probably started shifting. Like when first when I left the government to go work for a private company, I worked for like a personal finance startup in Toronto for three years. And so like it probably started to shift there because then it was like, Oh, well, I worked remotely for them, so I could live anywhere. And then all of a sudden, like options just started coming up, including then three years in the option to be self-employed and to go full-time freelance. It's like that was new and also wasn't part of the plan. It just became an option. And I sort of looked at my finances and was like, yeah, I could make that work for a while. Why not, like, why not try it? And then, yeah, there probably is something to both, like sometimes freelancing makes it hard to think long term because mm-hmm. you sort of are mm-hmm. at least like quarter to quarter is probably the longest you can plan for in some ways. But I don't know. I think that like over the past, let's say like five, uh, six years, six years has been how long I've been self-employed now. And I would say in that time, I've continually made these decisions that I I never knew would even be options for me. And it's almost like the more opportunities there were, it, it just became hard to imagine that there would ever be something I would stick to. Or at least for like, I don't know, I ha- or at least I haven't found like, yeah, that like one passion that I'm like, yes, I could do this for like the next five years even. Writing is the first one where I'm like, like now that I've let myself explore it this year in a very different way, it's the first time I've been like, oh, like I do want to be a writer forever. Like I want to always be writing, but it'll, it'll look different probably every year. And like, that's still cool. Like that's, mm. that there's still a long-term, at least vision, not a plan, but there's like a vision of like the kind of life I want and who I want to be now. And yeah, it's just not like none of this is anything I would have let myself even imagine like 10 years ago. Mm
0: -hmm. I think there's something that I want to get into that kind of going back a bit to what you're saying about getting bored and always wanting to be like moving somewhere. And also this idea of the career ladder that is given to us and you go along and, and do the thing. And I don't know what my opinion is on this because the questions just come into my head, but I'm wondering whether there's something about opting out of that step-by-step trajectory, but we still take that energy and call, I get bored. Is that what we replace it with?
1: Mm. Does
0: that make sense?
1: kind of
0: <laughs> but like yeah so we, we we literally grow up and go through school as like you are always going to be climbing until you retire like there's always going to be steps and things you have to do and then we go yeah I don't actually want to do that I want to have a slightly different life and then we're like but well I want to keep stepping on to different things because I get bored but is it just replacing it is it is it truly boredom or is it like this cultural thing that's like ingrained in us that we have to be kind of on this striving
1: yeah i mean like the only thing that i can relate this to is almost uh a lot of dialogue i've actually had in therapy this past year um this is gonna go sidebar but it'll come back to it which is around <laughs> the idea of um growth mindsets versus fixed mindsets and so, like what I'm like the first thing that came to mind as you were saying that was, actually, I know a lot of people who never want to climb ladders and they actually don't want to change. And people who, you know, they would be happy honestly, to stay at the job that they have and have the security and stability that they have for thirty five or forty years and then retire and and they don't think sort of bigger picture or um, yeah, have these thoughts of like all the ways they want to grow and change. And like something I've really felt is that that is um, it's been a little bit, I guess, maybe challenging for me to have like deeper conversations with all the people in my life who are like that, because my brain just goes to such different places. I'm like, no, like I and not that it's um, right or wrong, but just being like, oh, like you think this way. I think this way. Like I'm I'm so curious, like what other things are out there or just like how I can challenge myself. Like what kind of experiments can I do with my work and my life and where are the different places it could take me? Like I have such a curiosity around this stuff. Um, whereas I know a lot of people who don't even think that way. So I've, yeah, I've been talking in therapy about how it's been like sort of challenging to have deeper friendships or relationships with some of these people and, and have gotten to this place of like, it being described, it's not a pedestal, like you're not outgrowing people. But honestly, it's almost like fixed versus growth mindsets. Like you're almost at some point, like speaking two different languages. And so that it's not always easy to connect, because it's almost like you're from two different countries, you literally don't speak the language anymore. And so you it's harder to connect. And so my thought or like early opinion is like, that could be true and I do know so many so many people who don't think this way like I think you and I do think this way but I actually know a lot of people who don't like they're very content sort of with what they have and don't even think about the ways that they could or should change things mm. yeah that's interesting though like I, I've never thought about that
0: and mm. um, yeah I'm I'm trying to think about trying to think about myself um, yeah, yeah. because I'm very kind of posit it as a value of like I want variety and I do know that like I get bored super quickly like super super quickly uh, with doing things of just like yeah it's done I've done that (laughs) and I I don't want to carry on um which isn't always a great thing because I'm kind of like (laughs) and I wonder whether it's misplaced ambition in some ways of just Mm. that there's this there's this thing that whether it is from inside me or it is conditioned into me that has nowhere to go and it goes into like getting bored quickly
1: yeah yeah I feel like this this is actually just making me think of the conversation earlier this year that you had with Nicole Antoinette and building change into your business Mm. makes me makes me think of it because Like, uh, something I've always really appreciated about Nicole's business and the way that she does things is that she's never, ever said, like, this is what I do, and it's what I'm going to do forever. Or, like, this is the model, and this is going to be the model forever. She is, just, like, pays attention, and if something, like, no longer feels like it's working the way that it it should or was before or doesn't quite align with her anymore, then she's willing to make changes but I also do think that there's a piece of like, cause she just stopped doing her podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's another just example of like, I have outgrown this now. Like I have, I have done this so many times now that it's now just kind of work or like I'm just kind of following a formula. And for it's, for me, it's that it's like, once there's just a formula, then I'm, I'm bored. Like mm. if I if it's like fully in me, like it's ingrained, and I just know how to do it, there is just this pl- point I get to where I'm like, no, I need a challenge. Like I need to learn and, and grow in some way. I can't just I can't just do the same thing over and over again. Mm. I don't know. That's interesting though.
0: I think and and just picking up on something that you just said when you're talking about like the, when there gets to be a formula, and you said when now when this feels like work, and I feel like that's quite telling about. Mm. Like Maybe how you're defining work as like, oh, this feels like work now, therefore it's bad or I don't want to do it.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, Kate, I actually really think you're onto something there. I do (laughs) think, because I I think for me, most of the, um, we'll label this as work being like the things I've, uh, my output, the things I've put out into the world has not felt like work under the definition of like obligation. It's all been because I wanted to do it every podcast I've ever done, like worked on all the blog posts I used, used to write back in the day, the books that I've written, like all of this stuff was because I really wanted to create it. Like I, it was just in me that like it needed to come out in this way. I, I was curious, I was excited. And so it did not feel like work or an obligation. And then yeah, there probably is something for me where as soon as it feels like an obligation or like or yeah an obligation that also does go with what I said of like I'm just following the formula like I just have to do the thing over and over and then it work, and then it you know it all comes together I'm like yeah when there's a formula like I'm out like if, if it's just like do these 10 things and then it'll work I'm, I'm immediately like no that doesn't interest me I don't want to just follow the 10 mm. steps and and do that so mm. that yeah that's interesting though yeah it's but
0: then it's kind of like that whole thing that I've spoken about before probably in various places of like Mm. work is hard and that Mm. that's what and we kind of and I've spoken to people and work with people who that like unpacking that in order to allow them to do something they want to do because we have this ingrained belief of work is hard and then people set up businesses like doing stuff they don't even really want to be doing because we believe well it's work I can't actually want to do it and like actually reclaiming that a bit and and even that old phrase of like do something you love you never work a day in your life like why that's still work is bad work is hard and how like how can actually what if work wasn't bad like what does that yeah if we kind of posit that idea what might life look like
1: yeah that's a good question. <laughs> like, it's a good one.
0: I'll probably have to sit with answer
1: it now. With it. Yeah, no. Like, that's <laughs> that's a good question. Mm. Yeah, like, what if work isn't bad? Well, because some of it's not, right? Like, yeah, this is where I think too about writing. Like, writing is can be incredibly fulfilling in ways, but also it is challenging and and requires an incredible amount of self discipline. As you know, like I remember your experiment where you wrote like forty thousand words in a month or whatever. Like, hello, you just I'm wrote, still not recovered excellent. from that, and it was like yeah, six months ago. <laughs> yeah, there's like kind of burnout because that was hard work, but also, yeah, like what if it it didn't have to be bad? I'm going to have to sit with that one a little yeah. bit. Well, yeah.
0: and I'm interested that like when you like whether you're like sitting down and like plotting out this tv show pilot or when you're mm. you were writing the chapters of French and opting out like do you feel like you are going to work or like yeah how does that feel
1: yeah I do even just like you know I'll I'll shift my calendar and change priorities like when I'm going kind of deep into a project and so I think yeah something I've learned or or maybe it's like just the rhythm of the, the work that I've done for the past few years. Because, you know, I got the, I just say, I worked on the book proposal for my first book in like the spring of 2016. So it's been a full five years that that largely I've been working on books. And, and there's been multiple big projects of that. It's like a proposal is a huge project, then a first draft, then edits, and then like the launch. And then the next one is same thing, mm. like proposal takes months, first draft, Edits than a launch, and I've learned that like um, the way that I work, it can it can be a little confusing, on um, for like on um, to the outsider because it's like there are months or at least weeks where it looks like I'm doing nothing, but it's sort of like I'm in between some of the big pieces, right, and so when the big pieces are coming whether it's i'm working on a proposal or a a first draft or something i i sort of set myself up for work like i i will start working right away like i do my best writing in the morning so i will just block that off in my calendar don't really talk to people right like i just work for probably anywhere from four to six hours and then yeah and then i'll do that at least five days a week working on that and that will go for months months and months and so it it changes like my whole yeah just like my calendar while I'm working on big stuff does change and it does feel like work but it I I like what you said like it feels like going to work like it's sort of uh, here's my job it's time to sit down it's time to start whether it's researching taking notes actually fully writing like yeah I am now sitting down and working and that is the thing that I feel this year I've not not done a lot of (laughs) I mean like I will say just financially so I'm transparent about it this has also largely been possible because last year was a pretty high earning year for me and we couldn't do anything Mm -hmm. so so much money just sat in the bank right and I and and because I like I even said to you last year I don't know what my income looks like in 2021 And so literally this year has been like I've made some money from um, royalties from my first book, but it's been a mix of royalties and living off of last year's income. So that's why this year it's like it's been okay for me to sort of have this strange year of experimenting and like trying to figure out what's next. But yeah, I don't know, like just the past couple of weeks, I have been at my desk like five days a week working on stuff. And I will say it's feeling really good to have energy again. Like to have energy around ideas like maybe not that like explicitly there's one big thing i'm working on or have a deadline for yet but the fact that i'm sitting down every day like because i want to feels feels really mm-hmm. exciting
0: yeah. And I, you know, I think that really goes back to what you're saying about like having a loss of confidence. And that's something that I definitely experienced. And I hadn't clocked it that that was what it was. Like, I was like, I think I'm pretty great. Like, i but my, and my friend said to me, she's like, do you think your confidence is taking a knock this year? And I was just like, oh, that's exactly what it is. And that they like, just, especially when you don't that like you don't get that sense of feeling capable at something and then like other things and then it all just kind of knocks you back a bit that you just you can't get excited about work and i would never have thought that that would be a symptom of a confidence Mm. knock it's like a lack of excitement about work but it that has been my experience of it
1: how did it feel i'm just curious like how did it feel to acknowledge that it might have been like a knock in your confidence
0: A relief, actually, Mm. that it's not that there's something wrong with me, or it's not that I've lost it, or like lost the creative urge. It's just like I've some some something's got broken, and it's taken time to heal. Mm. And actually, it's in that way out of my hands a little bit. Like there's nothing I can do to like fix it faster. It just like needs to. Reemerge
1: into the world yeah i mean then i think it's interesting or an interesting topic and it could be for like the next one but it's (laughs) like how how do we rebuild confidence Mm -hmm. it's it's an interesting topic i think Mm -hmm. because i i would say like we're not alone now but certainly just in life like for me what i'll say about the confidence thing that was hard is i almost didn't want that to be true like, I, it's like I wanted to hold on to this, like, state of resilience that I often feel, right? Like, I I get knocked down and I, like, have enough experience or enough of crappy things that have happened that I have proof in my head and in my body that I can handle tough situations. So there was this piece of me, actually, I think that, like, was rebelling against the idea that it was my confidence. Like, I just wanted to be able to pick back up and and figure something out. And it was hard to accept that this was something I was going to have to like you talked, like kind of uh, just work on again and rebuild mm. so it's like yeah how how do we do that
0: yeah I, I definitely don't have the answer to that right now No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah well, that's so interesting that we had completely opposite experiences of that and like so did you want to be able to be like oh it's this thing here that I can just like pick up and mend and yeah. we're good
1: I think I think it wanted, I wanted it to just be the perspective thing and be like, oh, I can like blame 2020 and blame all the publishing problems of last year and blame like COVID's also, it's still um, affecting publishing in terms of sort of shipping books. So there's like all kinds of countries that are like out of your books. And it's just like, well, who knows? Like maybe the (laughs) books will arrive in two weeks. Maybe it'll be a month. Maybe it'll be three months. Like, Carly Ford is actually going through this right now. If her book was supposed to come out in August and it's, it's just COVID shipping delays. So it's like, well, maybe September, well, maybe October. <laughs> like, this is just like mm. you just sort of the shrugging emoji, like, well, we'll see. <laughs> so I think that I, I wanted it to just be that. And I didn't want that there was then this other effect, which was on me personally. Mm. And that that was going to be something I was going to have to bounce back from. Mm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Don't make me deal with any of my own (laughs) shit.
1: Yep. (laughs) Yeah, no, that could be a good one for for a future. Well, yeah, Yeah. just to even think about how do you rebuild your confidence? Yeah,
0: Mm. that's a good one. Well, and and actually, how do you realise that it's the confidence that's the issue? Like, how do you... Mm figure that out because like we like you can there's always so many other things that you can put it on that are like out there yeah. um and and you know we're both quite introspective people <laughs> like, yeah. we're slightly above average on the introspection scale and still kind of missed this whole thing and and I think as well that we've kind of got this idea what well, I certainly do of like if you're low in confidence it's across the board. Whereas Ooh. in in my life, there's lots of places in which I was feeling incredibly confident, but yes, not, I'm not this am of because yes,
1: <laughs> like, I feel very confident about other things this year. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and so that makes it even harder to be like, oh, even though like on a whole I'm at like eighty percent confidence when it comes to work,
1: I'm right down at like thirty.
0: Yeah. And wow.
1: realizing that. Yeah. I'm I'm having other things pop up in my head of even just like Yeah. Reasons why it's hard also to admit it. I think there was a story in my head of if you show a lack of confidence, then people won't want to like buy your stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. Like maybe, maybe there's like a weird story in there. Yeah. Right. Like if you're not a hundred percent confident, like who will want to read what you have to say? And of course, like you can think about that logically and be like, doesn't matter but like somewhere there was a story that was obviously told or messaging we've seen online or something that is like yeah you have to be like fully confident in the decisions you're making and the content that you're putting out otherwise no one will want to read what you have to say and like actually people like the vulnerabilities they like to know you're a real Mm. person but yeah there's probably something in that
0: Mm. i'm now just like
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good. That's where conversations like this can go, though. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that was going to come out of this.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I kind of feel like I need to go lie down and just be like, where is confidence? What is it?
1: (laughs) If I was there, I would bring you a cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) So that's
0: in my existential crisis. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, I feel like our our project for next time we're both going to go away and get quit the absolute how you rebuild your <laughs> confidence <laughs> we well, have the five step we'll... program <laughs>
1: maybe we'll have one answer <laughs> one idea <laughs> oh gosh I like mm. that this is going to be something to think about though mm. it'll actually honestly my, my guess or like maybe it's a curiosity is like actually I bet thinking about it more deeply will be helpful for us hmm yeah
0: yeah yeah and I think my something that was interesting between both of us is that it both took conversations with friends to illuminate that it was a confidence issue and it would be interesting to see how much external support becomes a factor in rebuilding because that's what's kind of bubbling at the back of my head as a sort of initial answer at the moment and I feel as we sat here at the end of August like I'm only just starting to kind of stand up off of the ground let alone like walk along the road but that's kind of what is feeling like is has helped pull me up off the ground
1: yeah I can relate to that even just how I said you know it took conversations with my agent Mm -hmm. to say like no hello like oh that was external validation Mm. yeah that's interesting
0: okay right that's what we're gonna do everyone we're gonna go (laughs) we're gonna find the answer And then we're going to package it up and we'll be millionaires.
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. No pressure. At least people would know we came from a real place of honesty and integrity in that. (laughs) Listen, we're a mess. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh gosh. Thank you for thank you for this. Honestly, I'm I'm definitely gonna go sit with this right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I'm like, I'm probably gonna talk to someone about it, which is just continuing <laughs> to <be external.
0: laughs> Hey, there we go. There we go. That can help to generate the ideas. <laughs> Any links that we mentioned will be on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Kate on Instagram. I'm at Simple and Season and she's at Kate Flanders, And that's Kate, C-A-I-T. If you have a friend who you think would really enjoy this episode, please do send them the link. And please do also share where you're listening online too, if you're really enjoying it. And until next time, I hope you go with a song.